Hi, this is Pastor Mike from Compass in Monterey County. Thank you for tuning in to my podcast. I hope it encourages you and gives you confidence that Jesus is by your side and that his plans for you are to bless you. Well, every human being in their teenage years or even earlier writes a fairy tale script for their life. All of us want to live happily ever after, and we write this script of what the perfect life would be like for us. But the only problem is no one gets a fairy tale life, do we? There are things that happen that put us in what the Bible calls the cave. The cave is where your life is unraveling. It's where the dreams that you've had are being trashed. The cave is when you're in trouble or when you are sad. And it's all darkness in your life. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. People talk about these things will pass, but you cannot see that happening. This darkness looks permanent. The cave is where the music in your life stops. And sooner or later, everyone finds them in a finds themselves in a cave. No one gets through this life without spending time in the cave. Last week I talked about discouragement. Discouragement will put us in the cave. It's when you're losing hope. It's when some dream of yours that you'd hoped would come true is not coming true, and that'll put you in the cave. Most of us will admit that we're discouraged. But what I'm talking about this morning, hardly anybody will admit. Almost everybody pretends that this does not happen to them, but it happens to everyone. And what I'm talking about today will put you deeper in the cave, farther in it than anything else in this life. It's the feeling that you are defective. Defective. It's the heavy feeling that you do not measure up. That you're not good enough. That you're not a good enough parent. That you don't have a good enough body. That you're not good enough socially. That you're not good enough in business. That you're not good enough. Will you fill in the blank? What is it in your life that you feel defective about? That you do not measure up. For a woman, it's every time she stands in a checkout line at the grocery store. She scans the magazines. And as she does, she gets a very strong message that she does not measure up physically. Former supermodel Christy Brinkley says that not even she can measure up to these cover girls. At 54, and the mother of three, she says she looks fat next to these cover women. The standard for women, physically, is unrealistic. Is it any wonder that polls say that less than 1% of women like their body? But the biggest thing that makes us feel defective, that's common to us all, is failure. Trevor Hoffman is 
one of the greatest relievers in baseball history. He plays for the San Diego Padres. He has the record for the most saves in baseball history, 524. But in the two most important games of his life, he failed to save the game. He was put in with the Padres ahead. But he lost. They were the two final games of the 2007 season. And if the Padres had won either of those games, they would have been in the playoffs and maybe to the World Series. But because of Trevor Hoffman and his failure to save either one of those games, they went home to watch it on TV. Hoffman said this, and I quote, It's a burden I'll live with the rest of my life. He says he'll remember these failures of his until he dies. This is so common to us. Failures that tattoo themselves to our memories. That we live with until we die. What's really interesting about this story is that his teammates idolize him. They've forgiven him for that. But he is still in the cave. Admired. Forgiven. And still, the music has stopped in his life. Ann Lander said, the question most often asked of her is this. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Surely, many of us this morning have been asking that same question of ourselves lately. What's wrong with me? Maybe it's how you parented one of your children lately. Maybe it's, again, you failed to keep your temper with your wife. Maybe it's something at work. Maybe it's a weekend matter. Maybe it's promises you made to yourself that you've broken again and you said, what is wrong with me? Failure or do that to you. This is David in 2 Samuel 12. He's had some big time failures. He's, as I said in the scripture reading earlier, he's a guy who's succeeded beyond his imagination, beyond his fairy tale script. He could have never written this in. But like so many, he could not stand success. And he thought there were no boundary lines from him anymore. And he seduced a man's wife who was one of his soldiers. She became pregnant. He made sure that he was placed in a position where he would be killed in battle. So her husband is dead and now he takes this woman Bathsheba as his wife. He's a marriage wrecker and he's a killer. And the guilt eats him up until he finally confesses. And in a dramatic way that Psalm 51 describes, he's forgiven by God. And these great promises come that as far as the east is from the west so far are, is our guilt removed from us. Promises in the scriptures come true in David's life. But the consequences still come. The baby from that illicit union dies. And David is in the cave. And I, what I want us to notice here is, you can be forgiven and still feel defective, can't you? 
You can come to communion and be forgiven of what you have done and still walk out feeling defective because you did it in the first place. David's not dancing. It takes something more than God forgiving us to get us dancing again. There are some things that God has for us to do besides being forgiven to get our feet moving again. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. The things we need to do in the cave after we're forgiven to get ourselves dancing by the power of God in our life. The first thing to notice about David is he accepted what could not be changed. He accepted what could not be changed. David had refused to eat while his baby was sick. He spent his time weeping over the messes that he had made for himself and for his child. But when the child dies, he orders food. And he eats. And he goes in to his wife and begins to have sexual relations again. He begins to dance. His servants wonder why David is doing this. And he answers, While the child was alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows, the Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? Notice David doesn't play the if-only game. A lot of us play that game. It's just natural to human nature. But you'll never dance again. And you'll stay stuck in the cave if you insist on allowing yourself to play the if-only game. If only I had done better. If only I had done this or that. If only I had been smarter. If only... You've all played that game, haven't you? If only... A lot of us are like a prosecuting attorney. And the person we're prosecuting is us. We spend part of our day prosecuting ourselves for being defective and not measuring up. We think about all the evidence that we are defective. Look at this and this and we rehearse this and we accuse ourselves of this and this and then we call star witnesses to really clinch the case. Our critics. And we rehearse the criticism that we have heard them make of us. They are our star witnesses that we bring against ourselves in the trial to prove that we are defective. Surely some of you have been the prosecuting attorney of yourself lately. Haven't you? You've done a lot of prosecuting of yourself and bringing the evidence that you're defective. What I'm pleading for is that we accept what we cannot change. Accept choices people have made that we cannot change. Stop wishing we could change the past and accept the past. Accept what happened and start 
caring and stop caring the past into the now. Accept things that have happened that you can't change. Accept that you cannot control people's opinions and reactions to you. That you cannot control their judgments of you. Remember that Jesus was rejected and criticized by almost everyone except the twelve intimate disciples. And he was perfect. He didn't do anything to deserve these criticisms. He wasn't the problem. And it could be you're not the problem either. But then again, maybe you were the problem. Really, you did do some things that you should not have done. And you did fail. But you see, God has a solution for that. And that's the Lord's Supper this morning. It's God's forgiveness of you. But once you have that forgiveness, there's something more that you need to do in light of that forgiveness. And it's this. You're going to laugh. You're going to say it's not your problem. But it's everybody's problem. You gotta stop pretending you're God. You gotta stop pretending that you are God. And allow yourself to be a human being. Stop expecting yourself to be perfect, to always be wise enough to do the right thing in every situation, to never have a bad day, to never have a lapse into your human nature, to always, always do the things that you've promised yourself you'll do. Accept the reality that you're a human being, a sinful human being, a human being who's fallible and who is not omniscient and who is not omnipotent. Sometimes you're weak. We all are. You gotta stop trying to be God. I'm really serious about that. If you insist on pretending that you are God, you'll never get out of the cave and dance again. Because your expectations of yourself are impossible for anyone to meet except God. I'm telling you, if you're in the cave this morning, as sensitively as I can say this, you've done it to yourself. We put ourselves into the cave because we're pretending that we're God and can meet the expectation levels of God. You've set yourself up for failure and feeling defective. It'll put you in the cave every time. Tony Gwynn of the Padres is one of the baseball's best hitters. When he ended the season with a 330 average and won the batting title, he was frustrated. In the interviews, he said, I could have done better, I should have done better. He hit safely one out of three times, won the batting average, and still felt defective. Never mind that he has to hit a small ball that a pitcher throws at him in the most deceptive ways that the pitcher can invent. It curves and it jumps up and down and it looks like it's in the strike zone and then whips out of the strike zone. And never mind that the ball is thrown only 60 feet 6 inches from the plate and arrives at the batter in under .41 seconds. 
And never a mind that this ball is curving and twisting and ducking at a speed close to 100 miles an hour often. And never mind the fact that once a batter decides to swing, he has less than two-tenths of a second to get his bat around to the ball. And if he does manage to hit the ball, never mind that there are nine stellar athletes who rarely make an error ready to throw him out. His expectations are unrealistic. He thinks he's God in a uniform. If you're in the cave this morning because you feel defective, I guarantee you it's because you are pretending to be God in some way. People who feel defective always believe the devil's lie. Always. And here's the lie. I did, therefore I am. I did, therefore I am. I failed, therefore I'm a failure. I messed up, therefore I'm defective. Trust me, that's the thinking that puts us in the cave and keeps us there. But it's totally irrational, isn't it? It's like saying, yesterday I threw the football and I am an NFL quarterback. I did, therefore I am. As clearly as I can say this, if you're ever going to dance again, you've got to say to yourself, that's not true. And then, if you are not dancing again, as clearly as I can say, you are out of God's will. You are out of God's will if you do not start dancing again. And that's the good news. Because the good news is God's will is abundant life for you. Even when you're in the cave. Abundant life. Psalm 30 says, David says, You turn my sadness into dancing. You turn my sadness into dancing. God will do that for you. If you'll draw near to him in prayer. And stop telling yourself, I did, therefore I am. And let God be God. Instead of having these God-like expectations of yourself. You know what I'm talking about. The Bible calls it grace. This morning at communion, will you let God grace you? Especially admit to him that you've been playing God and you won't do it anymore. Secondly, David worshipped the almighty God again. He worshipped. Verse 30 says, after he washed and changed his clothes from sackcloth, he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. His worship was not mechanical. It was heartfelt. He let the music remind him that God did not create him for caves. That we were created to be people of the light, not darkness. David let the scripture readings remind him that God is almighty and that God is the master potter who specializes in taking messed up pots and lives and refashioning them into something beautiful. In worship, he focused 
upon the goodness and the power of God instead of his own failures. And that's why worship is so very important. It enlarges our picture of what God is like. People who are irregular in worship never do very well dancing in caves because they don't have a strong enough picture of God. That is always the key to start dancing again. Even when you're in the cave, to get a picture of God gets you dancing again. I was really interested. Taj and the staff a few weeks ago talked about how both he and Christy were NCAA swimmers. And how for eight years or so or longer, for six hours or more a day, they swam and swam and worked out and swam and swam. All for about a 30-second or 40-second race. All those years, all those days of working out to prepare for 30 seconds. You know what struck me? If you've been messing around and you haven't been in the pool all that time, the day before the race, it's a little too late to get in shape. But this is exactly what Christians, churchgoers, try to do. They're not in shape spiritually. They don't take Bible study very seriously. They don't take worship very seriously. They come once in a while, miss other times. They are soft spiritually. And they're not ready. But when the problems come, they want something that's instant. And life doesn't work that way. Now is the time in the light to prepare for the darkness. Has anyone seen Porky Pig cartoons lately? With your kids or some of you late night? Porky Pig. You know how Porky Pig always ends the cartoon? That, 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 that's all, folks. Well, it's really interesting that Mel Blanc was the voice for Porky Pig. And he died a few years ago. And guess what his family put on his tombstone? That's all, folks. <laughs> of course, that's not true, is it? You and I know that is not true. That Jesus has risen from the dead. That death is not the end when God gets involved. That it is not all that there is. God has another move. He has moves left, even in the grave. And in your situation in the cave, I'm telling you, God has moves left. That's why Isaiah 61 is such a wonderful passage. And if you're in the cave, I give you this as a gift this morning. The prophet says, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. And what's important is Jesus later quotes this passage when he introduces himself in the synagogue at the beginning of his ministry. And he says, this is why I've come. He claims this passage. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to release from darkness, that is from the cave, prisoners, to comfort all who mourn, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. In other words, to turn ashes into something beautiful. 
the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. If you're in the cave, get your feet moving because God has come to turn ashes into something beautiful. His will is for you to start dancing again. And he will take what is ashes and turn it into something beautiful. You'll see if you let him. I know a man whose wife left him for another man. He was crushed and he lived in the cave almost two years. And then he washed his face like David and started to come to worship at FPC. And he met a wonderful Christian woman and they fell in love and now they're married. And this woman treats him so much better than the other woman who had all kinds of problems. I know a woman who was crushed when a man she loved with all her heart dumped her. She spent a lot of time in the cave feeling defective. But when she finally realized that that guy really was not so hot, she realized that she had dodged a bullet in not marrying him. A lot of you identify, you women out there. (laughs) This is funny. I know a man who owned a small business who was sued. And that, cave, uh, that case dragged on for more than five years and there was no dancing in his home. The music stopped till the resolution of that case came. And when it came, it cost him several million dollars. But he said to me, Mike, as I look back on that, it was the best thing that ever happened to my marriage. It brought my wife and me so much closer. Beauty, ashes into beauty. God's specialty is turning ashes into beauty. So David worshipped and remembered his God is almighty. And his God's will is for him to dance again. So bring the food and bring me my wife. Third, focus on what's left, not what is lost. It says, Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba, and he went into her and lay with her. She gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon. A few months ago, a person sent me an email that I've asked permission to share with you. And this is the email. Dear Mike, my marriage is dead after 21 years. I fought hard to save it, but but he didn't want to save it. All he did was criticize me until he finally left. Now I'm divorced and unwanted. Rejection is a pain no one should have to feel. I go home after work and most nights just sit and cry in an empty apartment. Life goes on for all my friends, but for me it drags by minute by painful minute. Please help me mend my broken heart. You know, I get emails like this and it breaks my heart. But i got to tell you, FPC exists for this reason, to help people start dancing again. And some of you know exactly what this person in this email is feeling, the rejection and how it makes you feel defective. A people's criticism of you. A people turning away from you and wanting nothing to do for you. Their judgment of you. That will put you in the cave if you're not careful, if they're significant enough. 
You've got to do something for yourself. You must discipline yourself to focus on what you have left, the blessings of God, instead of what you have lost. It seems like such a simple thing to do, but it is really critical to ever dancing again. Some of you are only one decision away from moving out of your cave, but it's a hard decision. You've got to stop rehearsing what you've lost and start giving thanks to God for all the other blessings that you still have. What I'm talking about is gratitude. It's 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's in the cave too. In all circumstances, in the darkness of the cave, start to have gratitude and thanksgiving. Not for all things. That's not what the Bible says. It says, in all things. What it's talking about is, in the midst of bad things that are happening to us, don't let that dominate your vision. Get a wider angle lens on your vision of your life. There is more than just that bad thing. There are lots of other good things in your life. There are things like, for this woman, she still had her health, her good friends, her talents, her career, her children who loved her, and one who was getting married. She still loved music and biking, and she still had a wonderful brother and sister who loved her. You can't stop people from rejecting you. You can't stop people from judging and criticizing you. But you can say to yourself, whatever they're saying about you is not all that's true about me and my life. Some of you have experienced rejection as deep as this poor woman. But don't believe all your critics say about you, even if they're your children that you love deeply. Part of dancing again is beginning to discipline yourself in thanksgiving. One of my favorite spiritual authors is John Powell, and he writes about how during a time when he felt very defective, he started a list of all the things that were good about himself. In the midst of his feeling of defective, he wrote this list. Let me read what was on this list. I am good to people. I try hard at work. I'm reliable. I'm loyal. I'm good to my grandparents. I used to have a temper problem, but I've changed. I used to be very self-centered, but now I think about other people a lot more. I am kind to animals. He developed a list of more than 300 things and this list he put in his top desk drawer. And he refers to that list periodically. And when he's really in the dark cave, sometimes two or three times a day, he looks at this list to remind himself of the good things about himself, along with some of his flaws. Someone might ask this question, isn't this egotistical? Not at all. This is what the psalmist does in 139. The psalmist Thanks, God, I am wonderfully and fearfully made by you, God. Give God some credit for what he's done in your life. It may be that the most common human sin among us is not lust, it is not greed, it is not covetousness, it is not temper or any of these other piddly things. The most common sin among us is ingratitude. Isn't it? I mean, really. 
Most Christians spend their time in prayer saying, Gimme, gimme, gimme. What have you done lately for me, God? Very few Christians have learned the spiritual discipline of filling their prayers with thanksgiving for all the blessings they do have. But one of the keys in life of feeling blessed, even in the cave, is to practice thanksgiving. Do you do that? Or is your self-talk full of complaints and yourself being the prosecuting attorney against yourself? Do you give thanks for all the good blessings in your life? It's ironic that gratitude may be missing from our prayers. But we expect everyone else to thank us for the things we do for them. Let's prepare our hearts for communion this morning. Lord, as we approach the Lord's table, your table, we ask that you would help us to take this message and apply it to our life, especially, Lord, if we have really been unthankful and not very much thank you for all of our blessings one by one. And Lord, minister to us, especially those of us who are feeling very defective this morning. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Wow, that message was packed with quotable insights for living, wasn't it? If you're blessed by these podcasts, why not share them with friends and spread the blessing? Christians today in America, like at no other time in memory, need the encouragement of these messages to stand up for Jesus. So share the blessing, and God bless you.